If you are a female founder and you don't know your numbers, you're massively stacking the odds against yourself. We've seen at Fearless Adventures that kind of a lot of female founders almost don't ask for investment as much as male founders. And yes. when they do, they tend to ask for less investment. A lot of people I know are traders. I, I just tell them, dude, just go in and ask for their raise because I promise you that your guy counterpart has already asked mm -hmm. and they've already got it. Welcome back to the Summit Podcast, where we speak to inspiring individuals about their entrepreneurial journeys, talking through the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Today, we have the founders of Why Hangry with us. We have Sidney Mattel and Heinen Zhang. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Good to be here. Just take us back. So you guys both have background in finance. So how did you go from a financial background to kind of the inception of Why Hungry? Where did that come from? So both of us were working in finance. I started my career at Goldman Sachs on the trading floor, then got headhunted to Barclays, and that's where I met City. And that's where we became really close friends from day one when she rocked up to me after the morning meeting saying, hey, shall we grab lunch? <laughs> and um, we realized we had a bunch of things in common, including the fact that we felt like finance shouldn't be the be all end all. We felt like there was a bit of a lack of purpose. And at the time, I guess both of us struggled when it comes to food because we love having home cooked food. We love having our friends over. But having grown up in India and China, where having household help is common and it's normal to have a chef. We just thought, oh my God, it's 2019. Why isn't it possible to book a chef? You can book an Uber, you can book a massage, you can get a blow dry, all of these services at home, but it was impossible to find a chef. I think that's kind of how we started whilst we were still working on the trading floor together. You know, finance has obviously got a reputation for being very male dominated. Mm -hmm. How did you guys navigate that in the early days? I grew up in India, a small town, then made my way over to Colombia. I did artificial intelligence, computer science. However, at that point, grass was greener on the other side. And I was like, wow, I don't want to feel so nerdy, sat behind the desk, like creating a tiny little feature for Google because I had an internship at Google. I was like, wow, I want to be in the environment where I'm making macro decisions. I had no idea what that meant. Um, found some <laughs> traders, got on the floor. I was like, this energy is insane. And there are no women. So this is amazing. Like, I definitely want to be a trader. And got on the floor. Honestly, it's it's quite a hostile environment when you start because I remember being told, "What the where the fuck are you? Go get that shit. Get my lunch. I started off in New York. It was really insane. Moved over to London. Six years forward, actually loved my job. I did mortgage-backed securities, financial, subordinated debt, super analytical. Once you get to know the people and once you kind of graduate from this, like, you're the biggest scum because you're a grad to like, okay, your ideas are good. You've started to make some money. It really changes because then you realize, wow, these are my people. Everyone just has a great time. It's just like constant banter. It's really a lot of fun. It's really like a work hard, play hard environment. It is. I would yeah. say especially the trading floor, which is different from like, let's say the M&A, like behind the Chinese wall, where people are like just there, like kind of quiet and looking at like spreadsheets all day. The trading floor is like super high octane. Mm -hmm. People are shouting prices yeah. like, why isn't this closed yet? Where is this trade? And if you get told off, and I got told off a lot as an analyst, you get told off in front of 20 people. Mm -hmm. So it's all very public and it mm -hmm. kind of like makes you ha get really thick skin. I was just <laughs> going to use the word thick skin. Like if yeah. you can get yelled at in front of all those people, recover, get on with stuff. It's a great dynamic. And actually, that's why I think our relationship is so strong because we actually first met as professionals in arguing. an environment, <laughs> arguing. But we'll argue, be like, dude, what the fuck? Pick up the phone, da 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 da. And then we'll step back and be like, oh, do you want to get lunch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, awesome. 
So like we've had a couple of people come on here who've kind of had financial backgrounds as founders. I remember like doing my first raise and doing my first kind of like business and I was like, I had no idea about finance. And yeah, arms of it, no, no idea on debt, no idea on M&A, no idea even on cash flows and P&Ls. So like how important do you think it is to like have the financial grounding that you guys had to be able to then launch a company? All this was just like a fundamental, very easy skill. Mm-hmm. Like we'll see something and the first thing I remember when someone was like, oh, we'll give you money, we were like, we don't want to take your money. And this is like the very first tiny round. And the next time I see Hyman, like a cash flow model is drawn up. We're like discussing numbers. We're like, yeah, yeah, actually that's great. And then the next round we'll raise will be like this valuation. The next one will be this valuation. And it makes it really easy because it puts numbers behind all decisions. Yep. And that made it quite easy because I think then instead of just thinking what should I do it you'll be like okay these are the numbers let me ask someone to double check these numbers and point out why our assumptions are wrong which makes it like a different conversation. Do you think the being too over analysis in in the early stage can hamper your growth in the future? I think spending too much time doing analysis definitely can because at some point you have imperfect at every point you have imperfect data right and if you have perfect data as a Mm. startup it means that you're doing stuff too slowly. So you always have to have a hunch and actually then follow your gut. And let's say there's the notion of good enough. Mm-hmm. How much data is good enough for you to base a decision on? I think I'll come back to um, the finance background and the benefits. I think taking finance aside, just having a great grasp of numbers is really important for, I think, uh, making life easier as a founder. What I didn't realize is how data-driven and how numbers-heavy marketing is. And... City heads up product, I head up growth, and I don't know whether someone without a background in finance would be spending as much time in spreadsheets when it comes to marketing. But when I was working in finance, and when I tell my friends who are still like working at hedge funds or MP, they're like, so what do you do all day? Come up with captions. And like, (laughs) 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 like, basically madman style. That's as much as they know about marketing and advertising. I was like, no, actually, it's like LTV CAC, like looking at forecasts. Yeah, Mark's in in the last like 10 years and social has definitely become science rather than art. Yeah. And it definitely, you know, historically it has been an art, you know, it has been broadcast media talking about great ads and having a, a tiger to try and sell you cereal. But it now in definitely it's much more of the science based of like, actually, you know, how can we actually make this work and what formulas can we put together to actually pull this lever, pull that lever and actually grow. Um, so, yeah, no, um, I think people have got that Mad Men view of it still thinking, oh, my God, this is like just coming up with captions and making nice pictures every single day. But I will say one thing. If you are a female founder and you don't know your numbers, you're massively stacking the odds against yourself. We've seen at Fearless Adventures that kind of a lot of female founders almost don't ask for investment as much as male founders. And yes. when they do, they tend to ask for less investment. What's, have you guys found that like being female founders that you've had to work twice as hard in any... Well, we probably work twice as hard generally. (laughs) We work pretty hard. But actually, this is such a big topic. And I think I want to actually take a quick detour and say, even when we were in finance, as a trader, let's say, and I speak for myself because let's say, I did market research. I'd call up the headhunter. I'll be like, cool, what are people getting paid? So I knew Goldman's. I knew Morgan Stanley. I knew what trader at my level making my P&L should get paid. And I was not getting paid the same. I remember one year, I actually didn't make any money for the bank. It was a tough year. No one did. I went in and I was like, I would like a pay rise. And then they were like, that's really weird. How can you justify that? Because you've made zero pay And I was like, cool. Well, my peers who are male counterparts seem to be making a lot more. So my base salary is definitely wrong. And then they were like, what are the numbers? And I was like, actually, you know the numbers because you pay them. And I know you know. 
and I left it. And that year, I got a 40% pay hike. And I always remember telling my female counterpart traders, like my a lot of people I know are traders. I, I just tell them, dude, just go in and ask for that raise because I promise you, the, your guy counterpart has already asked mm-hmm. and they've already got it. And every single year I asked, it was like the first year I got an easy extra 25K. It was like, oh, it's fine. We can't do a lot, extra 25K. Second year. So these numbers were kind of wild because I was like, all I did was go in there, st- keep a face like flat yeah. and say, I need extra. And I got it. Yeah. I think what's crucial here is the in- external information you get from speaking with headhunters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in my first three years, when I was at GS, I didn't speak to a single headhunter. There were people on the LinkedIn. First three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You never spoke to an external headhunter? No. So you're they, happy there for three years? Basically, like, I just yeah. never engaged any headhunters because yeah. they're like, hey, like, we'd love to chat to you about yeah. opportunities. I just never picked up those messages. Why was that? Because women are more loyal. Yes. Yeah. And this has always been the case. Then I had a chat with someone who was a female VP on the trading floor. And she said to me, that is nuts. You should pick up every single one of these calls. And yeah. then you know your self-worth. You yes. know what other banks would be yeah. bidding yes. and you for only had you. That, and you only had that conversation because she was a female? Do you it think, came do you up think, in a female networking event. Yeah. So you, only, you were only told that by another female. So no man. No man. No man told no. you that. But so, let me put it this way. It's not... if. If there are people ahead of you, near you, they're not going to mess with like telling anyone, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel like generally, I don't know what men and men talk about when they go out drinking, get hammered in pubs and stuff. And there was a lot of that because I don't care about sports. Like, I'm so sorry, but I really just don't. And I'm going to say no to that event because like I will be bored, but I'll go for the pints. That's really fun. But there are a lot more events that people still did on the side. And yep. then, like, guy grads got invited to a lot easily because they were just with senior, with senior people as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that I was left out. Look, we had a great team, love all of our managers. But this is a very clear observation that there are other points. For example, our uh, grad class went on, like, an Ibiza trip. And there were only grads. It was, like, for CFA level two. I was the only woman. Then someone ended up being like, are you sure you want to come? Because it might be awkward. And I was like, why not? Yeah. Then I ended up not going because it made me feel so awkward. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, that one point was another moment where all these guys got together and became friends. Yeah. And we've it seen was like people, a We've seen people as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So then I think all of this compounds into some knowledge flowing through to men. And yeah. then females generally. Also, the other thing is, I don't want to make this. It's not like a fact. It's anecdotal. However, they, they seem to speak less about money for some Females. reason yeah yep. like for some reason my friends didn't immediately say cool what are you getting paid whereas i'm pretty sure with guy grads it was very easy so i kind of told my guy grad friends i was like i'll tell you and you tell me which is very easy yeah like you tell me i tell you yeah. it's irrelevant what you get paid we just need to know the market yeah. you guys walked away from your job to start why angry so how was that experience for you and what kind of made you kind of realize that now was the right time to go full-time in the deep end so it's a very funny story, actually. When we started working on Why Hangry as a side hustle, we told everyone, like everyone that we're doing this, <laughs> oh, including, <laughs> oh God, including this is a story com- we haven't shared publicly often, <laughs> including our compliance managers. Because we're, like, we're women right, and we're loyal. So yeah. we do we want to overshare. So we're like, like, this is the proper way to do this. We're right. not going to like mess around. So, hey, like boss here a boss b like we're doing this we want to solve a problem it's food it's chefs it's got nothing to do with finance exactly and then compliance right i think his name was seb (laughs) (laughs) we emailed him hey can we chat to you we need to speak to you about something so we told him we're going to register this business but before we do so on company's house we want to check with him he's like yeah it's got nothing to do with finance cool go for it however since we told everyone 
they started monitoring um, our chats, or and they're always monitoring our chats anyway. So Bloomberg, it's like it's like the Slack for finance. And at some point, I think a month or two months down the line, we got pulled into this meeting. I entered the room. Stop, I remember City was already sitting there with her boss, and then my boss was there, and then the head of credit was there. And I was like, "Oh my god, what is going to happen?" But here's the thing: Heinen can have like a very straight face. Like when Heinen was walking in, I was like this. And I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, we're in trouble. I don't even know why, but it feels like it's trouble. Also because we just said for traders and salespeople, you just have it out in front of the floor. You never get pulled into a room unless like something really bad is happening. So then Heinen walks into the room. She sits down. Everyone's like, cool. Then the first person goes, they just throw the stack of papers. You know, this is how many times you've mentioned why hangry to your customers. Like something hundreds of like hundreds times. Of papers. And then they were like, you know, you guys are... <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna die. They looked at Hein and they were like, You've like IB IB as like Bloomberg chatted your ex boss at GS and you're asking for his baby. It was for like a, a photo shoot. It was for a potential photo shoot for Hawaii Hangry. And they're like, You're speaking to all these customers and instead of selling bonds, you're selling chefs. I just kept a straight face and I was dying. And then I after they finished all of this, I looked at them and I was like, let me be very clear. Can you tell me how many hours an average man spends speaking to client men, speaking about fucking sports and like random shit they do? You said that. I said that in the meeting. And, and then they just kept quiet. I was like, it's called client bonding. I was like, what I do is professional dance. No client cares about that. So what I do to create a relationship is share about my extracurriculars, which is this. I was like, so let me be clear. Not one of this customer has transacted. Why Hangry does not even exist. Like no payments have gone through. And all of these chats have been followed by, hey, mate, I have a bond to sell. Do you want to buy some? <laughs> so actually, this is our way of bonding. So I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what actually you are angry about. So this happened. However, we walked out of the room and we just started pissing our pants. Like, I just was like, I'm in. Like, this is ridiculous. We, we have to quit. Tomorrow. We have to quit tomorrow. So then we walked. Well, actually, yeah. I had a holiday booked to go to China. This yeah. is, I think the meeting was on a Thursday yeah. and I was going to be off the next week. And she was like, we have to quit tomorrow. I was like, well, I'm leaving like tomorrow. Yeah. So I don't want to like handle my resignation and be like, oh, by the way, I'm off on holiday now. But I did walk in the next day. We discussed. And, and I left. And then the moment I came back, they were like, are you going to quit as well? Because you basically quit during that week. Yeah. I, I walked in. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, actually, thank you so much for all the opportunity. I need to quit. And then they were like, what do you mean? Do you need more money? And I was like, no, no, no. I just want, I need to go. Like, you know, everything that you said in that meeting, I want to do more of. And okay. I want to fill all of my day. So it wasn't, it wasn't, you weren't driven out by their negative behavior. It was no. more about the excitement. It was a wake-up call. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think my fi- our finance experience was amazing. We had incredible managers. Everyone I would highly recommend working with. <laughs> <laughs> but generally, like I, I, I generally thought it was like the best job ever. Yeah. However, we had to do our own thing. Yeah. And at that point, there was just yeah bigger fish to fry. You made the jump. How yeah. does the YC Y Combinator um, experience go about? You know, we've had a couple of people on here who've been on Y Combinator. Obviously, it's probably in my mind as well the the highest kind of regard for startup. How does that experience? How do you find that experience? How do you also find that experience being female? I think it was business, if not even life changing. Yeah, 100%. We think of our business as pre-YC and post-YC because there are so many changes we made during YC that helped us now come to a model that's much more scalable. Really, like, YC has this insane caliber and they've seen all of this stuff and their biggest value add is they will ask you questions that no one else has ever asked you. Like, we have, like, VC angels on a cap table. 
all these incredible people in our community, how did no one else make us see that? Yeah, because they're not, they've not seen a thousand marketplace businesses. Perhaps, yeah. And maybe some of them said it, but but YC has like this aura. YC is asking, if Michael Seibel is asking, we're yeah. listening. Yeah, so yeah. I think both sides feed into it. So you came out of YC, you've rebuilt the platform. You know, you mentioned there that you had the goal of getting to a billion dollars, billion dollars, a billion pounds valuation. You know, like dollars get you into the unicorn club. Let's start with dollars. Start with like dollars, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. Move our way up to sterling. Yeah, Why yeah, make fine. life harder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the aim. Yes. Okay, that's the summit. How do you feel about that? I think we know how to get there. We know our goal. And yep. We know the next step. And I think this is very different from last year. Yeah. I think last year, in the middle of all the changes that City was referring to, and the fact that there was Omicron and we weren't, people weren't gathering. Everyone was like, yeah. I got COVID for the first time during Omicron. We just didn't have any levers. We didn't know what to do. There was yes. like a sense of helplessness, mm-hmm. yes. which actually also contributed to how we felt. It's horrible. And that way. Whereas now, I think we have a really amazing team. Mm-hmm. We downsized from 18 to 11. Now we made our first hire again, which is now we're 12. But everyone is so capable and we know exactly what we need to execute to get where we want to get to. Yep. Yeah. But tell me for the unique economics, what does that look like to get to that billion? Our goal is very simple. Like, for example, for us, we need to get to, let's say, 20 million in next GMV. And that's our core milestone. Yep. And we don't think, you don't think of, this is actually like a trader. You don't think in a year I'm going to make 20 million bucks or 40 million. You just, every day you go and you know in the month I'm going to execute this. So that we have a very clear milestone. We're going to do that within UK. And how we're going to get to UK is we have a lot of product categories. But what I mean is by 2025, weddings are going to be like 2.3 million weddings or something across the year. Multiply wedding by five, six times. That itself is one clear product category for us. Yeah. And that's insane. Second, birthdays. Yeah. Every, like we see birthdays from 21st, which is so adorable. Because when I get on a customer call. I think we have 18th and 16th as well. Actually, we have first birthday. Oh, first, we first have like birthday, the kids Everything. Like, and we have 80th birthday, 60th birthday. That in itself is so huge because on your birthday, you want to do something fabulous, something mm-hmm. great with your family. Then you have anniversaries, date nights, proposals, you have barbecue, you go to a holiday home, you need chef. You just need someone to have the food when you're bringing people together. You know how many master chefs we have on a platform that are smashing it? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the latest number, actually. Yeah, We've signed up so many of the past Correct. rewards. Because the thing is, it's difficult yeah. for them to actually monetize what they do unless they open their own restaurant. And exactly. not everyone gets the investment to do that. You could so actually, Why Hangry is like perfect for these people. Actually, the 2021 master chef winner is on our platform. You could like book him today. And it's actually, mm. the rates are insane. Like, you I think he lives in New York, actually. Yes! <gasps> Uh, actually, he does. His name is Tom Rose. Tom Rose. <laughs> okay, but the point is, there are a lot of these product ca- categories, which even if you crack one yeah. really well, is enough to get us to, let's say, 20 million in GMV. Yep. If we crack more, we just stack that up. Once we have financed our product, so right now, like conversion, how people are interacting, all Marketing. of this stuff really matters. What happened? Marketing. Marketing, yeah. No, 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 no. That's not marketing. That's right. numbers. <laughs> yeah. But just getting the core product right is very important. And that's when the goal has been very clear that we always want to launch in the U.S. Because it's a mm-hmm. huge market. But we're not too worried. I think all we care right now about is getting this product correct. It's converting well. We have all these product categories that we are making sure we're attacking. And then let the magic happen. And then we'll plan the next step. So we don't plan the, all the phases to a billion. Well, we could got, tell you. Yeah. But yes, we know the goal and we know the next step very clearly. And I think like when people get a bit lost is when they only see like the faraway goal and yes. they're like, 
oh my god like oh god. how do i get there like what does it how mean? many how yeah. many people exactly how long so how many years and whereas now we we know the north star but at the same time we focus on like the yeah. next step but you know like when we started it's like when someone was like you know the day you're doing like 100k a month and we were like oh my god like it's just not possible like it's great and now we're like but like, it's crazy i think like it's just very easy so you have to just like one foot in front of the other so you don't get too overwhelmed by that but we know the next step obviously you went on dragon's den so how is that experience obviously you kind of got some offers and then walked away from it did you always know that you guys were gonna go through investment privately or did that show kind of give you the confidence to go forward yeah i think it was pretty obvious that we were going to raise investment yeah. privately and whether or not we get a deal um with the dragons or not so for us i think city said it quite nicely we take 100% of the shots we get on that note literally whether it's yc whether it's the google accelerator mm-hmm. whether it's dragons den we're like cool let's do it when it comes to any type of pitching when it comes to like any public speaking it doesn't compare to being in a room with like these people being filmed and thinking this is going to air later on and i think Look, it was really tough but it was really fun and we did it together which made it really fun and i remember the first 20 minutes thinking why are they not laughing like we really are quite like joking about <laughs> and we did everything we could we told so stern, like so yeah. stern we know where you live that was like the first laugh and then he was like that's so creepy <laughs> we were just dying but it was really fun and i think that experience was great but i think in terms of timeline we didn't know we weren't going to take it so i think to be very clear we came out of it we said going in we wanted peter jones stage of money yes. we got it from them which is really exciting then we go into a period of due diligence and both sides get to say no and i think that's really nice because look how much due diligence can anyone do beforehand and we spoke to teja quite few times in say amazing guy but at that point the realization was look we're trying to build airbnb for chefs like yeah. as a tech platform it's very difficult to add value we actually need to figure this out ourselves and in order to do that we need to like keep all the equity we can and then like so actually in the end it didn't make sense whereas if we were a product that could be stocked in sainsbury's it it probably would have been like a no brainer because let's do this like this will be insane for us together so because of that we actually were like cool gentlemen's agreement a gentlewoman's agreement let's part ways so we filmed in november in manchester i think that was like in december we actually raised a very first round with like ollie lock and all these people only started in march the following year so we didn't know what we were going to do yeah. but we very clearly were like look these numbers don't make sense giving 10% is just like it's just not right because we're a tech business like our valuation and we actually raised like well kind of like 10x higher like 2 months later because like that was the right number yeah. but we did it and we actually never used dragons then to raise because at that point no one knew yeah. and once we raised dragons and aired in may so that timeline is quite important to demonstrate like we did go in with the right intentions we had a great time in dragons and it actually added a huge amount of pr value like yeah. the number of people who were like we've seen you in dragons and we know exactly how it works people like and still actually yeah. Yeah. to this day like i think they do some replays but the one thing that yeah. really like haunts me from dragons then is six people for 100 pounds <laughs> yeah, because this goes into how we really underpriced ourselves and we had customers scamming us but because we made it such that customers should scam us like I as know, first no, no. founders we, we set up set ourselves up for, for like failure when it comes yeah. scam when it comes to the pricing yeah and we were so cheap it's unbelievable and obviously like with the cost of living crisis everything's more expensive now but at the time when we started we really were like yeah uber for chefs and we had these existing private chefs who would hate on us a bit like the black caps hate on uber yeah. and we were just like oh my god but we're like, giving you more bookings and but you can cost- charge whatever you want to but still it's the yeah. connotation that made it a bit 
too accessible with that number. Yeah. And I'm already regretting the fact that I mentioned this because sometimes, Me <laughs> sometimes you like go on to go on to like podcasts or speak to people. It's like, oh this. yeah, I saw your dragons in episode. It's like so you know, unlike dragons, this can be cut. Yeah, there you were. There you were. Yeah, but the thing is, actually, now it's really nice because both sides are aligned. We as a platform, our value proposition is clear. Look, private chefs need to earn a living. And this can be a chef working at Dishoom or Waka or all the way to Nobu or some Sketch, of the posh library, French restaurants. three Michelin stars. On the flip side, customers want to book everything. Yeah. For us, the experiences, we're just a middle connector. So we do this, we do this, we it's do Michelin It's like checks. Airbnb. You can book a Scottish yeah. castle on an Airbnb that's like 5,000 or 10,000 per night. Or yeah. you can book somewhere which is like 100 per night. Guys, thank you so much. That was one of my favorite episodes. I think I laughed so much for it. Um, and we've kindly been offered a discount for Why Hungry. So if you want to go and visit the platform, you can use Summit 50. That'll get you 50 pounds off your first order. Yes. Yep. So if you've got a wedding, a birthday, a hen bridal party. shower, a hen party, or anything, and you want a private chef to come and give you an amazing experience, check it out. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. And we look forward to giving you more episodes in the future.